Welcome to the Open House Podcast. Conversations exploring life, faith and hope with Stephen O'Doherty. Well, President Ronald Reagan, you remember him, the actor come president and a very, very, very popular president he was? His wife Nancy, equally popular, a, a real... A pair that warmed on the world, I think is one way of putting it. Anyway, President Ronald Reagan chose Peggy Grande to work at his side for 10 years, and together they created a pretty powerful partnership. She served as his post-presidency executive assistant, the liaison between Ronald Reagan personally and his staff, the public, local dignitaries, and even world leaders. She had a front-row seat to history. She got to know the man, not just the president. Uh, behind the view scenes of his private interactions too with uh, everyone and um, including Mother Teresa and uh, Mikhail Gorbachev and Helmut Kohl and Margaret Thatcher. Gosh, what a job that would have been. Uh, Peggy Grande does a lot of speaking engagements and we caught up with her recently. I was always kind of that nerdy little kid that loved presidents and politics and government. And I grew up in Southern California, which if you know anything about U.S. geography, it's as far away from Washington, (laughs) D.C. as Sydney or Melbourne is from Perth. So it was a very unlikely path, but it was just something I was always fascinated by. Um, So fast forward to college, I was a communications major. The great communicator had just left the White House, and I was raised by a tremendous man of faith and optimism who raised me to believe that anything was possible and that somebody had to have the job you wanted and it might as well be you. So I took a chance and wrote a letter to the office of Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan had just left office, returned to Los Angeles. I was in college in um, Los Angeles area, and I was shocked and surprised and thrilled and terrified when I was called in for an interview in the president's office. Um, I was hired pretty much on the spot for what I thought would just be a short-term internship. And at the end of a couple of months of volunteering in the office, I was offered a full-time staff position where I started working for the chief of staff as his executive assistant. And then Ronald Reagan's longtime executive assistant he had had for decades since before he was governor retired, and they asked me to take that job. So not something you say no to, although I was six months pregnant with my first baby and wasn't quite sure yet how I was going to juggle all of that. Well, well, we'll explore that uh, in just a moment. But just because most of us don't have um, knowledge of this, what's a former president's staff like? Yeah. Well, he leaves the White House where he has staff of hundreds, if not thousands, and he comes back to wherever he chooses to return to. Um, Ronald and Nancy Reagan lived in Los Angeles before they went to Washington, D.C., so that's where they came back to. And they just had a kind of a skeleton handful of a staff. So when I first started working for him, there was maybe 10 or 12 of us that worked for him. Um, And then in his later years, there was probably just four or five of us that worked for him, Um, managing his schedule, his correspondence, all of his media. Um, When a former president leaves office in the United States, there's still an expectation that they're going to be involved in the politics of the day and be accessible to the people of the United States. And so there really is that expectation that they're going to maintain some sort of visibility and accessibility. And so that's certainly what their staff manages on a day-to-day basis. You know, it's a bit similar here, but it's it's by no means at the level it is in the United States. And former leaders in your country are, are 
sort of revered by most, um, but certainly treated well, with dignity and Ronald respect. Reagan. You know, when he yeah. left office, he had the highest approval rating, and he just continued to be a person that people admired and respected personally, not just politically. And so that really, I think, catapulted him into a post-presidency where he was widely regarded and still very sought after. What did people see in him that they liked? I think they saw genuineness and an authenticity, and he was kind of a cheerful warrior, I guess. You know, you go to battle every day um, in the political arena and on the world stage, and yet he always had a twinkle in his eye and a skip in his step and just maintained such a positive, optimistic attitude. And I think that's contagious. We, we love to see that. We want to be around that. He painted a picture and created a vision of how America could be better and different. And we bought into it and we believed in it. And he, he made us feel valued as Americans during those years. And in fact, when you look back at the end of his eight years and asked him what he was most proud of, it was nothing that he had done or accomplished, but that he made the American people believe in themselves again. And so really the 1980s was a time of patriotism, um, aside from all the domestic um, economic advances that we made and all of the advances made on the world stage as well. It really was that sense of optimism and patriotism and um, just a joy that he carried forward in his life every single day. Yes. The criticism of him was that uh, he was an actor reading lines, but you would have been close enough to him to know, especially after he'd left office. Was there a sound political, philosophical, spiritual doctrine behind him? Absolutely. And I always kind of laugh when people say, oh, he was just an actor hmm. playing the role of president. Hmm. They dismiss the fact that he was governor of California for eight years, which is quite a political accomplishment. You know, it's the fifth largest economy in the world. And so even as the governor of California, I don't know why people dismiss that, but they do all the time. But in typical Ronald Reagan way, rather than taking it as criticism, you know, when people would say, oh, I don't know how an actor could be president, he would always turn it around and say, well, I don't know how you can be president without being an actor, <laughs> because so much of it was a about the audience, about communicating a message, about not just being um, confident in what you're saying, but being confident in the way that you're saying it so that the people who are receiving the message can hear it and absorb it and believe it and buy into it. Mm. And Peggy, where did his belief in individuals, his care, his clear compassion, where did that come from? Yeah, you know, we think of him as this global icon, and we picture him on the world stage. But if you know anything about Ronald Reagan's life story, he really you know, was a very unlikely person to become president. He was born into a very poor family in the middle of the United States in a small town during the Great Depression. Mm -hmm. His father was an alcoholic, and if you looked at kind of the cards of life he was dealt, you would have said, Oh, this poor kid. He's never going to amount to anything. Um, but he was raised by a woman, his mother, who was a tremendous woman of faith and raised him to believe that God had a plan for everything. And in the end, everything would work out according to God's plan. And here's a woman who didn't have much, but raised her family um, to attend church, 
to give back to the church community, to be very involved in civic activities. Um, His mother was an incredible example of somebody who ministered to prisoners. And back in the day when there was such a racial divide in the United States, she reached across even racial lines um, in ways that were very unpopular at the time. But he was raised by a woman of great faith and compassion and true service to others, both in and outside of the faith community. And so that really was the foundation that shaped everything that he would ultimately become. Yes. So he retained a strong Christian faith in his own right. Absolutely. And, you know, he was never apologetic about it. He believed in America and anywhere for that matter. You had the right to believe or not as you chose, but he was never apologetic about what he believed and um, was bold in talking about his faith and how his um, belief in God informed his decision making and and never apologized about that. And so I think people appreciated the fact he was a man of conviction. And even when people maybe disagreed with him, I think they knew he had he had a true north. He had a he had a vision and was connected to something higher and bigger than him, and he always attributed that to his faith in God. Our guest on Open House is Peggy Grande. She's the former executive assistant to Ronald Reagan after he left the White House. An author, um, an assistant uh, coach, that is to say a coach of assistants, um, and so many other things besides uh, currently visiting Australia. It's hard to have this conversation with you without asking the inevitable comparison between the current White House and the Reagan White House, especially when it comes to um, issues like the racial divide and a belief in people, um, equality, if you like, of all people. Uh, So can you talk about the current era, the Trump era? Yeah, sure. You know, Unfortunately, we look at what's happening in the United States, and even in the United States, 95% of the coverage we get about our president is negative. And so I can only imagine how that 95% negativity filters all over the world. And so, you know, without getting too wonky into the politics (laughs) of things, um, I would just say that just realize that the, the messaging is so skewed and there's a narrative that they want you to believe that there's nothing good that's coming out of Washington right now. And even though things are divisive and ugly. Um, Domestically especially, we see a lot of strength and patriotism coming back in America. And so that's something that you won't hear (laughs) advertised, Um, but it is happening across America, and especially in the heartland of America, the places that don't have the platform of the media or the voice of the large cities. Um, There's some really good and positive things happening in our country. And so, Because there's this comparison that I think you said earlier that Ronald Reagan, one of his great contributions was to help America feel good about itself again. Well, that's clearly the current president's preoccupation as well. Um, It can also, though, take a negative twist. And, um, you you know, you think, for example, about uh, protective trade barriers that may affect um, other countries and um, uh, the, the, the issue, the very real issue about the characterization of um, Mexicans and so on. Yeah. You know, it's easy to look back um, at Ronald Reagan's presidency and say, oh, we made such a wise choice. Wasn't everything wonderful and rosy because Ronald Reagan was such a beloved figure. And really then, historically, we're having a very short memory because there were a lot of people who didn't like Ronald Reagan. They thought he was a warmonger. They called him the amiable dunce. The, The country was very divided because they thought maybe he was too religious and his faith was informing the way um, he made policy.
policy yeah. that the left didn't appreciate. And so, you know, it's easy to look back and pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, we made such a great choice and weren't those wonderful days. Yeah. But it really dismisses um, the divisiveness that also happened then. And so, you know, in America right now and maybe globally as well, there's kind of this hysteria and we think that nev- things have never been so bad. Well, we had this thing called the Civil War in the United States. <laughs> and so rather than firing negative tweets at each other, we actually were firing each other. And yeah. so I think historical perspective is always important. And for people of faith, we have to believe, too, that, you know, God allows re- leaders to rise up and to fall. Hmm. And, you know, do we have people of faith who are willing and able to step into the political arena? Hmm. And if our people of faith are not willing to do that, then God is going to have to use other people to do his work as well. And so sometimes it's because of us and sometimes it's in spite of us. Um, but I think our leaders sometimes are a reflection of us. And if we don't like the leaders we're electing, we should look at ourselves. We as a people, what do we value? What do we um, focus on? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Americans, we love the sensational. We love reality TV. We don't like substance or real things right now. And so I think it's an indictment of we as a people. And maybe we'll get back to valuing things that are important and our leaders in the future will reflect that more appropriately. A wonderful message. Peggy Grande is with us, former executive assistant to Ronald Reagan and now a person who coaches and encourages others. Peggy, enough of politics. Let's talk. Let's go back to that moment where you were six months pregnant and Ronald Reagan offers you the position, the executive assistant position. And you've got to make that choice that so many other women make. How do you be continually present for both the person you work for and your family? Yeah. You know, I'm not saying that my decision is right for everybody, but I felt extremely convicted that there was a reason why an ordinary girl from Southern California was plucked from obscurity and dropped at the feet of greatness. And that is the storyline that only God could write because on paper, it didn't make sense. My family wasn't politically connected. We weren't of the donor class. I, there was no logical explanation why a girl should write a letter and wind up in the president's office and wind up serving him so closely and personally for over a decade of his life. Um, so I knew that there was a higher purpose and a higher calling. And so I really had to surrender myself to that. You know, I was raised by a mother who was incredible, stay-at-home mother for the most part, um, a very intact, loving, God-fearing family. And I appreciated that. And so that was the example that I had. Um, I started working for the president. I got married. Um, I always thought, I guess, that I would stay home and raise my children like my mother did. And yet when an opportunity like that presents itself, you think that, you know, if if God has brought this to me, he's going to make it possible. And with the support and incredible love um, and help from my husband, it just, it was possible. And the two of us always felt like that was my calling. That was my mission in life. That was where I was supposed to be, not to the exclusion of my husband or my family, but right alongside it. And When God calls you to something, I think if you boldly step into it, even if you don't know how it's going to work, and even if you don't know exactly how the details are going to play out, if you surrender to his higher plan, he's going to make it possible. Was it always pretty? (laughs) Was it always perfect? No. Um, But was I overwhelmingly convinced that I was exactly where I was supposed to be? Yes. 
And into Ronald Reagan's later years, especially when his illness developed and um, his world became a lot smaller, I became overwhelmingly convinced that that was exactly why God had chosen a person of faith to walk those final years with the president at a time when you would need somebody of faith alongside him more than ever. I see. I'll ask you about that in a moment, but just one more question about this issue of... um of the choices women make. Of course, a lot of women say to me, oh, I can't believe you even asked that question anymore. That's, you know, ridiculous. We've, we've got to get beyond even asking that question. What, what would you think about that? Well, it is something I think that women need to consider, and especially young women. You know, now I'm a mother of four. I have a son, and I have three daughters. And for my daughters as well, I want them to know that they ultimately can have the choice to stay home and Mm. raise their family full-time, and that that is a wonderful and admirable career choice. They can also choose to work outside the home quite a bit or, or find a blend of both, and there's no one right or wrong answer. They just need to be in connection with their husband and connection with God, and that's the most important thing. And so there's really no right or wrong, but I think sometimes by not even talking about it, we're ignoring the feelings and the emotions of especially young people who are are looking at it saying, I wonder if I'm going to have to pick or choose. I wonder if I'm going to have to decide Mm. one or the other. And I really believe that you can do anything that you want to do. You may not be able to do it all at once, um, but that there are so many options out there. But it is important, I think, to have the conversation and to be very transparent about the struggle um, that we may have internally about what's right and what we want to do and what we'll find the greatest joy and fulfillment in and find mm. to be our ministry. Yes, and to turn that around to something um, something else that's positive, it seems to me that it's great that young men are asking that question and, and in themselves now in a way that wouldn't have been done a couple of generations ago. And I see a lot of young men who um, are prioritizing family over work or they're living in that same dilemma as you've just described that women have lived with for so long so we're becoming more egalitarian in that sense uh, as as genders and so it should be because so many men lost by not being involved in their kids so that was a sad thing to see i want to ask you about those last years there's um there's an account of george schultz um visiting his old, his old boss, as the New York Times says, in Bel Air, where he lived, Ronald Reagan. And after he visits, Nancy Reagan says to him, um, something poignant happened while you were here. At one point, apparently, uh, Ronald Reagan says to his nurse, who's that famous man? He's, I know that man. He's famous for something. He was his secretary of, the state, of state, for goodness sake. This is when the world started to understand that Ronald Reagan had uh, Alzheimer's disease. Were you there in those years? Yes, he left office in January of 1989, and I actually started working for him that summer and worked for him for the next 10 years, so mm. from the time he left the White House to the time he left the public eye. And midway through that that time, um, he announced to the world that he had Alzheimer's disease in November of 1994, so five years after he left office, he announced to the world that he was suffering with the debilitating effects of this disease that really, at the time, the world knew not that much about. Um, what I I appreciated about Ronald Reagan, one of many things, was he did not let that define him, nor did he allow that to be a death sentence, because really in 1994, the world starts saying goodbye to him. But I was still saying good morning to him every day for the next five years, and he continued to come to the office until the fall of 1999. And what an admirable 
man to continue to do as much as he could as long as he could and not let his limitations define him, but rather continue on. You know, Ronald and Nancy Reagan took something that was very private and very personal, and they made it public, and in doing so, Man. removed a lot of the stigma and shame and have helped countless families across the nation and That's around true. the world yes. who are suffering with the effects of Alzheimer's. There really wasn't that much known about it no, no, at the time. There was an awakening. awakening. You're, you're absolutely right about that. How then? You said earlier that you felt that maybe the main reason that God had you work for him was for this period. So how did you minister to him in that time? Well, just one specific example would be after he announced to the world he had Alzheimer's, you know, he and Mrs. Reagan traditionally would go to church at their local Presbyterian church every Sunday morning. And after he announced that he had Alzheimer's, the media would stake out the church. We would have paparazzi actually go into and sit in the pews of the church and try to catch a bad picture of him or something that not only was invasive to his personal privacy, but very disruptive to the other parishioners that were there. And so... So unfortunately, the decision was made that he couldn't attend church on Sunday mornings anymore because it was just such a circus atmosphere. It wasn't fair to anybody. And so as a person of faith and knowing that those final years were going to be so important for him to stay connected to the community of faith and to God, we reached out to his pastor there at the church and asked if he would come in and pray with the president regularly and read scripture to him. And I used to love those days because he would come in and he would bring the church bulletin and give a little vignette of the sermon and read scripture and pray with him. And it was such a beautiful, special moment that, you know, the media obviously wasn't there. They didn't report on it. It was something that Ronald Reagan never would have, you know, done for that purpose. But for me personally, it was so rewarding to see in this final chapter of his life and the twilight of his life to be able to continue to have that very presence of faith and community and connection with God so present even in his his office in those final years. And so those were very special days to me and just reminded me that maybe that was one of the reasons that I was supposed to be there. Well, that is wonderful. And Nancy was extraordinary, so much loved by the American people. And she was so good to the president, um, you know, not only during his political years. Um, I think that he never would have been who he was without her. She was unafraid to be the bad guy, so he could be the good guy <laughs> sometimes. And in his final years especially, what a loving, devoted, committed wife who just was fully devoted to his legacy, to his comfort, to his care. And I watched this woman just serve him to his final days with such love and gave him the dignity that he deserved in those final years. And I learned so much from watching her and from being with her and was always extremely appreciative of her her teaching me all those years, of her being so accepting and supportive of my role in her husband's life and for really the genuine friendship that we developed, especially in the later years. You know, after the president stopped coming to the office and I was no longer employed by them, she was so sweet and would always make sure that I knew I had an open invitation and I would go up sometimes with the kids, sometimes without the kids and visit the president regularly in his home. I was able to visit with him not long before he passed away. And then mm -hmm. after his passing, she lived for another 12 years and had a very open door policy as well for me to pick up the phone and call her or stop by and see her. And I actually had a very special visit with her as well just a few months before she passed away. And so I appreciated 
that formality that we always had in the working relationship, but yet that warmth and familiarity that she always extended to me and very grateful for that and the impact she made on not only me, but my husband and my children as well. Changed us for the better forever. What a beautiful story. Well, your book is called The President Will See You Now, and um, that's that's a lovely title. Never forget that one. Thank you so much for speaking with us. Thank you so much for having me on and for allowing me to share my story with your listeners. Enjoyed speaking with Peggy Grande, the uh, one-time assistant to Ronald Reagan after he was president of the US. And uh, she has a website, PeggyGrande.com. You can get her book on that website and find out about some of her speaking engagements. She comes to Australia from time to time and someone who we work with here, um, went and heard her and was absolutely blown away by uh, what she said about being a Christian in the workplace and um, about mixing all those things up, family and work and all that stuff. Discover more Open House podcasts at openhousecommunity.com.au.